Southampton Football Club Fans Podcast. We don't even have a name for it yet, but I've got two really interesting Saints fans with me. We've got Mark and Neil. Hello, Mark and Neil. Hi, James. All right. Right then, Mark. First of all, tell us a bit about yourself. I'm Mark Higgins. My Twitter handle is at MarkTR4. Uh, I've been a Saints fan for 22 years now. I'm 35 years old. My favourite game, I'd say, is Southampton versus Arsenal in the FA Cup final. I was a season to gold all year and witnessed the whole sort of run-up to the FA Cup. Uh, my cousin's married to Chrissy Bird and he played in the final, so that's a little interesting side note. Yeah, um, yeah it's cool, isn't it? <laughs> and my yeah, favourite cool. player of all time, um, the tizzy outside, I'd, I'd say Morgan Schneidlin. I just think he's a complete oh, field of box. Bit of a ledge. No. Um, no I wonder we get on. I, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you legend. And now there's one thing interesting about you that you haven't brought up yet. What? Come on, what's the most interesting fact about Mark Higgins? Yeah, I suppose, interestingly, I was on X Factor t- uh, 2010 <laughs> in, a, sorry, in a group called The Reason 4. Um, got to judges' houses, stages. Uh, oh, wow. And then, yeah, I uh, was gigging for about two years after, signed. Uh, so, oh, it's, yeah, nice. cool, pretty cool. I actually like boy bands. This is <laughs> when, I, when you guys oh, came man. on, I, I really liked oh, you guys. And I, remember, I, don't, I didn't remember you in it. I just remembered four guys from Southampton. And then when I looked online the other day, I was like, ah, oh, yes. I remember them, and you didn't get through because of a certain band that everyone might know, One Direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, uh, we went in at 2010, like I said. Um, with tips, actually, I think we were third favourites to win. Um, but then, obviously, they put the young lads together, now known as 1D, and, uh, yeah, the rest is history. So, <laughs> But it was good. It was oh. a great experience. Yeah, I Am bet I on it the right was. podcast? Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone's got to know. It's, it's interesting, you know. It's, it's interesting, Neil. Right, come on, tell us about you then, Neil. Have you got anything uh, more interesting than X Factor? I don't think, no. no I can't be that fair. Uh, anyway, I'm Neil Dudridge. Um, I come from Charles Ford, just outside Southampton. Uh, people may know me on Twitter as Saints247 or Saints247, what you want to call it. Um, I run my own website design business, um, so if you want a, want a job, get in touch with me on Twitter. This um, is not a plug what, for your business now, come on. Uh, yeah, come <laughs> on. Mark was plugging his bag, come on. Um, I, I suppose it's not really a claim to fame, but I was actually christened on the day that Neil Armstrong became the first man to land on the moon. My mum said it had nothing to do with the astronaut's name, but kind of, you know, I think it does really. Sounds a bit better, doesn't it? So Yeah, just like lie. Claim there. Yeah, that's it. So, favourite Saints player? It did start having Mick Shannon, but then when I really got into my footy, it was Steve Williams, and I was actually gutted when he left for Arsenal because he just broke into the uh, England side, um, which, well, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't <laughs> think anything's so changed, does it? <laughs> yeah, and uh, obviously, uh, no, the shout-out to the young people, so just to sort of show they need to understand that players leaving us when they get good is not a new thing. So it's been happening for decades. I've been supporting Saints since 76, um, after the cup final. My mum and dad didn't take me to it. I've never forgiven for that. And pretty much since then, I've actually been going uh, watching Saints with my mum and dad ever since. So uh, we're pretty much uh, a footballing family here. Favourite Saints game? I'm going to have to go for something really, really recent. Basically, the Wembley um, Gabbiadini equaliser. The moment when all the, all the fans were singing and the scarf was twirling. I mean, doesn't, just doesn't it show how make. unsuccessful we are as a football club that our two, your two favourite moments are losing in cup oh. finals? Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I think we cling that. on to those moments, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. cling on to those moments. 
Yeah, I'm still waiting for my paint, my, my, uh, my pint there, by the way, James. You did promise everyone a pint if we got to Wembley. I, I did. I bought everyone a pint in the um, in hospitality where it was free drinks. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, right. I wasn't there. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got four Huskies as well. That, that might be a bit of interest to you. Yeah, we were chatting about <laughs> that earlier. That is quite cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're a good old laugh. Anyway, I need to get over. To, I need to get on to the fact that what I'm looking at right now is a picture of Mark and his very, like, band band-like photo and then there's james well um i can't really describe it james so you hands in to... the air completely naked on yeah. a desert island yeah, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> probably my most my most famous thing about me and the the thing that i enjoyed most in my whole life probably apart from my kids uh, and i was on shipwrecked back in 2005 it was actually shown in 2006 oh awesome so that's wow. kind of like the most famous thing about me. Don't go on YouTube and look it up because I was a bit of an idiot. I suppose most people would say nothing's changed there. <laughs> grew up in Salisbury. You go on YouTube, James. It's gonna yeah, yeah. I grew up in Salisbury, but I've lived all over London, uh, Bournemouth. Currently live in California. So, unfortunately, I had to give up my season ticket because I've moved here. Uh, I used to play semi-professional football before I snapped my ACL in a cup final. And... Uh, why I'm doing this probably is I used to work on talk sport as a producer when I was at uni and I also tried to make it as a presenter. I did three weeks working at the Saint when we were actually in the 2003 Cup final and I got to interview all the players live on um, Sky Sports News and I was even due to be on the winning bus parade interviewing them all and I was absolutely gutted not only that we lost a cup final but as a personal career thing because that would have been the highlight of my life going on the winning parade bus but we lost so there you go I feel like the Carl Pilkington to the Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant right now. Yeah. <laughs> which one's Ricky Gervais and which one's Steve Merchant? That's what I want to know. Um, well, judging by the photos, I would say James is Steve Merchant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> right, let's talk Southampton anyway, now then. Yeah. So, one of the funny things that Mark came up was the happy clappers and then me and Mark have been basically named the bedwetters. So one of the main reasons that me and Mark wanted to get Neil on was because he was a true happy clapper last year. <laughs> and I think to this day, he's probably still wants Puel as his manager. Is that correct, Neil? Are you, were you gutted when he left? No, I'm not, I wasn't gutted. I, I, Did you finally is, see I, that he wasn't right for us? The thing is that, is, that final game at home was embarrassing. As a fan, that was embarrassing. It was so cringeworthy. That lack of appreciation. I mean, his position was untenable then because clearly, well, the, the players didn't look like they were with him. Didn't see half, st- well, half the stadium had gone anyway. And it was just like, can we really afford to keep him on? have few, a few bad games, not win any games sort of at the beginning of the season and then waste all the summer by keeping him here. So, you know, you know, I was with him all, all throughout the season, really. I was sort of saying, give him a chance, give him a chance. But really, after those, that run of games we had, that, that fixture pile-up, I was expecting a lot more after that when, when everything calmed down. Apart from when Gabbiadini come on and scored those goals in those, you know, those first few games, everything then seemed a dire death, really. And I, I don't know, just fizzled out to nothing really and um yeah he wasn't right in the end it wasn't wasn't a good fit um, well me and mark saw it from the beginning and everyone kept saying give him time but for me i think when you know something's not right mark we we saw it from the very beginning the first match didn't we absolutely when we signed him we were linked with names like pellegrini weren't we 
Manuel yeah. Pellegrini and also Frank de Boer. Um, so it was yeah. some quite prestigious names. And then we signed Claude Puel. And I said, I had a gut feeling that we would sign him as well because he's the one I was least sort of like excited about. <laughs> and that's usually what happens when it comes to my experience yeah. with Saints. We usually sign the person I least want. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, when, when we did sign him, I thought, no, you know, I'm obviously give the board some credit. You know, Ronald Koeman appointment was, was great and the Maurizio uh, Pochettino appointment was great. So let's give the guy some time, see what he can do. But he was just, for me, I mean, you know, cup, sign, cup final aside, the football was just—it just wasn't the the, the the Southampton way. It wasn't yeah, with attacking flair. It was dull to watch. It was some of the dullest football I've, I've witnessed in many years, and it reminded me of like the Port Portfelt days. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, no, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you what, though. What what I noticed though, right at the start, when you know some of the pre-season friendlies, when I went to the SMS to you know, St Mary's to watch them, I was like, this is like these first games. It's obviously the guys in the Euros ain't come back yet, and and we were pressing the ball up. Getting the you know, win backs were pushing up high, getting the ball out quick, and I was thinking this is looking quite good. So when I saw, I saw that, I thought, okay, get, this guy might be all right. Then, the, then the guys come back from the Euros. I mean, font had a face like God knows what, um, <laughs> but um, and just didn't look want to be here at all. I don't think that's because of Pew. I just think he had his he had his uh, head in the clouds with some money um, yeah. for his dream to West Ham. It's almost it started to die almost at that point. I think. Then when we went uh, into the league, then we went into the league, and it was like this is this wasn't what I was seeing in some of the game. You, you saw it in like the first fifteen minutes of a game, and then it died. Well, he said I mean, he couldn't press. He can't press all game, yeah. didn't he? I mean, we, yeah. we were brilliant, weren't we? Between defence and midfield, we we're like Barcelona. But then it, it Sunday, it was Sunday league going forward, and I was waiting for. I honestly was waiting for things, for things to happen. I think no, no, keep going, keep going. But then after the, the fixture pile up, like I said. It didn't really change. It just kept going on as the same. So, and in that final game, well, I said to the old man, I said, "Nah, he's got to go." I can understand it if we kept him on, to be honest, because it in in history dictates that. Well, it was eighth in the cup final, which had he won the cup, he would have been one of the most successful managers in our history. So it's kind of fine lines, isn't it? It's like the thing is, no, I think that eighth flattered us last year. We, we had forty six oh, points. Um, you know, which is which was yeah. I think it was six points off the drop zone, wasn't it? Um, I mean, how it was, about uh, uh, else? Well, it's what I'm saying. It was it was just a, it was a bit of a dross season, but yeah. you know, Everton that were finished above us in seventh with like 15 points above us, and it, it, you know, eighth did flatter him, but we all knew it was coming. I mean, Saints, yeah. it took a while for Saints to announce that he was gone, but you know, I've got nothing against it. I, I didn't have nothing against him. I just think it was the wrong fit for the club, yeah. and I think that we they had to make that decision to appease not just the fans, but the, the style of you know the Southampton way is a brand that they go on about, and it's about attacking yeah. football. Do you know what I mean? And I think they had to do it. Really, I'm yeah. not well, all for this Southampton way thing though, because West Ham do that. You know, and Allardyce, they kept banging on about the West Ham way and all of that. Yeah. For me, I don't need necessarily this amazing attacking football in the 90s we didn't play a lot of it attacking football we used to just do what we could and get the ball to the tizier it wasn't really attacking football but I enjoyed supporting us even when we were drawing nil-nil I remember once seeing nil-nil against Coventry it's the most boring game of my life ever but (laughs) for me we had 11 players really wanted to play for the manager and really wanted to play for the club we had a manager that did best he could with what he had. And I just felt with Pure, he was really stubborn with a formation that just was wrong. Straight away from the beginning, I was like, everyone was saying to me, we played two up front with one behind, but he didn't. We played two wingers with a, like a like a false 10 or whatever these random things that you call it. And 
the wing oh, yeah. the wingers was was Austin and Austin was having to track back and cover back on the left hand side and everyone was saying to me no he's playing up front and I'm like no and they were like what about the game at West Ham after 15 minutes he changed it and put Austin up front and fans weren't singing I'm getting so angry and I could just tell it wasn't working and everyone was going on about how this diamond's the most amazing thing ever and it was the most infuriating thing seeing it and yeah. it was never going to work and apparently oh, yeah. he, he I mean, changed it didn't he he changed it after a while he changed the diamond because everyone could, was going on why? about it and then he because apparently it the players had to revolt and say we don't want to play this anymore that's the rumour is and even was it Ralph Kruger had to chat to them all before the game yeah but that, was that really the case did he really go in there and have a chat oh well, nobody know. would know we can just speculate can't we but the trouble is something happened because he was like you say James he was so stubborn with the formation he wasn't prepared to change it and fans were getting frustrated and I think like you say the, there was rumours that the players were getting frustrated when he did go eventually there was rumours of, of numerous players like falling out with him really weren't they I know the font one was quite highlighted but Bertrand was apparently rumoured to oh, be you unhappy you could tell J-Rod Bertrand there well, was quite a few players yeah. Tadic they yeah. weren't happy I can't remember who said it I'm not sure who said it for someone was saying that Austin referred to Puel as the Badger. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, um, but you know, these, I mean, these things all start to come out. I mean, they, they rake it very much themselves, don't they, when the marriage's there? But obviously, when he's not, then they, then things start to come out a bit. But he wasn't the know, worst I mean, manager we've ever had. We finished eighth and we got to a cup final. If we want to finish bottom half next year, you keep pure. But if you want to go somewhere, you need to make a change. We made a change called Tasty Middle Change with Atkins. Atkins would have kept us going, probably on a steady kill. We would have finished mid-table all the time. A few of the top players would have wanted to leave because they wouldn't want to play it under Atkins. We probably wouldn't have signed superstars, but we would have still... We'd have enjoyed having Atkins as our manager, but... When he brought in Potticino, he was a manager that was going to take us to the next stage. And I don't think Puel was ever going to take us to the next stage. He was a major drop down from Koeman and Potticino. Yeah, but we didn't, have a, clue about, we didn't have a clue about Pochettino, did we, until we actually saw no. those first few games. You're thinking, hey, on, this looks something good. But, it was straight away uh, near, wasn't it, when, when we played yeah. Everton? It, you could yeah. see oh, it Everton. instantly. And it was a nil-nil as well, wasn't it? it but we just pressed yeah. them all the time, didn't we? I mean, you could say, oh, maybe got a bit unlucky. But you have to, you have to sort of say also that our finishing was atocious last season. I That's mean, what the happy campers you know, kept on going on about there, wasn't it? Was yeah, every club could look at that... chances they've missed that year though and look back and think if yeah. we'd have done this, if if our goal scorer hadn't missed those ten chances. It was bad it was bad. It's like I've never seen you know, Manan could have done better, you know, and she's been dead for ten years. You know, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Are you slightly concerned that it's the same strikers that we got this season that are gonna be leading us out? Hey, what last year I said we don't need strikers because what we got should be enough. So this year I'm not gonna say the same thing because Rodriguez, well, and Long, well, they, they, well, they were pretty non-existent, weren't they? And Austin, well, he got injured, but he was doing the business. Gabbiadini, well, he hasn't, he wasn't doing the business towards the end of the season, so we'll see. I think yeah, when he, he when he first come in, he banged in six, didn't he? Six in like. Yeah. I think it depends on what formation you play. If you play two decent wingers and you only play one actual striker and you play an attacking midfielder, you only need one, you only be probably three strikers in the squad. And I think Austin, Long and Gabbiadini probably would be enough if you play that. But then if you start having to play two up front, maybe because things aren't working, then what do we do? Gallagher is fine, but I don't know if he'll be there. I don't know if he's going to be sent out yeah. alone again. I'll, t- I'll tell you what was frustrating, though, with, with Gabbiadini. He used to, pl- he used to obviously play, play him up, in, on, up on his own. Then he used to bring him off after about 70 minutes. And then when he brought him off, suddenly we were crossing balls into the six-yard box for Long to latch onto. And, we, and they, we know Long can't kick a ball. 
where you think, well, Gabbiadini would have put that ball in. So it was weird. He's like, he didn't play to Gabbiadini's strengths at all. He left him isolated, uh, and you yeah. need you need to play quite high and and play through balls to him and let him have one on ones with the keeper and and a bit of a Defoe in the box, isn't he? He'll make something out of nothing. Yeah, that, and and if you just exactly. launched a ball up from the right back to him, he's not going to do anything with it. No, but I mean, I get the impression though that the young lads like Puel, though. I mean, they immediately come out, didn't they? The Ramos and the Ward Prowse have said, "Oh, great." They were playing. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's what yeah. I think. Yeah, because they were getting game yeah. time on the Puel. I mean, you're happy well, if you're I mean, getting, unless you're a top top player who wants to win a lot. If you're one of those squad players, all you're happy about is playing. Well, yeah, I know, but I mean, uh, the fact is that they, the fact they did play. Although, having said that, do you remember that? I don't know if what also kind of like started make me really question Pule is when Ward Prowse was having a good game and then he took him off after 70 minutes oh. and, and like, hey, what, what when Ward you need Prowse to then, score. Like, yeah, and then, yeah, and then Ward Prowse then smack, you know, smacked his fist in desperation. He's like, what am I coming off for? And I'm thinking, hang on. That don't sound right. And, he was a bit. He was a bit of a tinker man as well. When you think about it, you know, classic. Classy had a good game away. I remember that. And then the next game, he wasn't even in the squad. And he wasn't yeah. injured or anything like that. And he kept. Yeah, most, no. I know we had a lot of European. J-Rod games kept scoring, dropped him. It, it was yeah. just really odd at times. It's like he had to try and make keep everybody happy by playing, by, by mixing the team around so much. And then and then that happened. People started cutting on to it. And then all of a sudden, he stuck with the same team for a while. And we started winning games. It's not rocket yeah. science. T- t- play a team needs time to blend and jow and get used to each other and develop. Yeah, but, but the thing is, what I learned is that players actually recover in different ways. I mean, like Long, I think he could play every game all season and still not be knackered, whereas the classy can't do two games in a week. So you probably rest Yeah, him, every player Long, is different, well, yeah. If Long was fit and he, and he was like, going to start, then why don't you just keep playing him? Because Koeman didn't have a lot, lot of opportunity last year because obviously Pedro Nat was injured. So Long had to play. And then when he played a regular game, he started banging the goals in, didn't he? I like so, Long yeah. as a squad uh, player, but when he's scoring, you keep picking him. And when he's not, you drop him, basically. The thing with, just... Long, with Long, if he's, got to, if he's got to think about it, he's going to miss, isn't he? If, he, if yeah. he latches onto something and he's just got to shoot, then he's going to score. But the moment he's got to go past, when well, he can't go past the player, I don't know if you noticed that, but if he's got to think about where he's going to put it, like, like the penalties and all that, you know. He's gonna, a good uh, mid-table squad player. He's never going to push yeah. you into the top six. So what about the yeah, new manager then, guys? Are you happy? Yeah. Yeah, I am, yeah. I've got to be honest. Um, at first, I won't lie, we were linked with Tuchel and I was like absolutely wetting myself and then realised, you know, it was a bit of a pipe dream, let's be honest. You know, the guy's a bit of a, without being disrespectful to us, he was Dortmund won trophies he probably would have thought it would have been a step down coming to Southampton but as soon as he sort of ruled himself out we started seeing who we were being linked with old Mauricio Pellegrino the more I learned about him from the likes of Sidlo and Guilherme Balak and that you know the more I read about how sort of tactically aware he is and since we've appointed him as well his interviews come across very sort of likeable and yeah, I, I, you know, general, I think there's a general sense of excitement. I think he's lifted the club, really, if I'm honest, lifted the fan base again. Yeah, I think when he said about that, again, this is a team and it's important to get the fans on board and all that, he says the right things, definitely. And I, you, like, you like to hear that as a fan, don't you? But, yeah, you know, absolutely. Just, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a good appointment for us. A risk, but we have to take risks. Appointing yeah. someone who we know is a good manager, who might do a good job, for us actually probably isn't the right appointment. We need to take a gamble like we did with, with Potticino and with Koeman to a certain extent. Koeman's managerial experience wasn't amazing. And I think yeah. we need to take a, a risk 
I mean, I wasn't super excited about his appointment. For me, I think Eddie Howe would have been a more, for me personally, a more exciting appointment. I think he's a really good up-and-coming British manager, whereas this one, we don't know if it's going to be good or not. But Guillaume Balaguer's come out and said that he was probably the manager of the year in Spain last year. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy, definitely happy to give him a go, and he's got my backing. Yeah, I mean, I think well, you mentioned Eddie Howe, but I mean, with his Portsmouth links and being he was a never manager, come, no. <laughs> he's, never, he's never coming here, is he? I mean, no, I, you not. know, never. <laughs> and, but uh, I, I know thing... what you mean by that, though. I mean, he, you know, he plays the right style of football. He's young, he's English, he knows the league. Knows like the area. Say, he knows, yeah, knows the area, but like, that's the problem, I think. You know, like, it's bit, like yeah. Neil touched on then, it's the, it's the Pompey and Bournemouth links. So, yeah. Well, I think the thing is, people question why Acker signed to Bournemouth as well. He played well under Eddie Howe and obviously knows him. So go there, you know. And develop his football. Signing, absolutely cracking signing. I thought we yeah. would have been. Well, well to be the thing is, these young lads. The thing is, we, these young English lads. Um, he's English, isn't he? Um, he's Dutch. These, all right. Well, anyway, young lads. Anyway, in general, you, you, they tend to boost them up all the time, thinking, "Oh, these. This is the next big thing." So, and uh, I think they get given too much too young. Well, they, they, was it I? They signed last year and paid fifteen oh, million I, for him. And I've got, I've got a good friend who um, is brother-in-laws with Jason Tindall. He was saying, "Yeah, he's." They regret that signing. He, I mean, he, could still come, he could still come good, though, James. Yeah, as well. he, he could do. He? You know, yeah. he's, he's young. He's, he, he was exciting when he was sort of a bit part player at Liverpool. So I suppose the move was, it still showed a bit of ambition. Do you know what I mean? Because he was starting to get into Liverpool's first team. He's sort of playing a bit part. You look at like Danny like Kadamari when I was growing up. Um, Luke Chadwick. There's a lot of these players that. <laughs> We're, we're decent players in, in reasonably big sides. They're in squad players, and then they move elsewhere for decent money, and then they're just useless and end up being a League One career. Yeah, but it's like it's in the yeah, actual Man City, though, isn't it? I mean, £25 million for him. I mean, he's, he's nothing more than a super sub at the moment. I mean, he doesn't get a run of games, so you don't really know what he's going to be like, do you? So it's just a lot of money and like, I know we're going to touch on money and how much we spend and not, or not spend but it's There's better money, value really. buying from Europe. Yeah. Our transfer policy is actually is pretty good in regards to buying players. I, I, I yeah. don't actually have a problem with people seem to think that I want us to throw money at things. No, I don't. We've got this magic black box and we've actually got I think one of the best if not the best scouting system in the country and I just think that we need to use that more and there's been times in the last few years where if we'd have just signed a player slightly earlier in the transfer window or signed one extra player here and there, like when we were fourth um, around Christmas time and we relied on Pella to score the goals and he didn't score one goal away from home since West Ham away first game of the season. Austin was scoring goals at QPR. If we'd have got out and spent 15, 20 million on Austin bang on then, we would have made the Champions League. That's the problem I've got with us is... We've got this amazing scouting system. I just think that sometimes we're a little bit reserved with it and we're not spending TV money. We're just literally, all we're doing is is spending the money and trying to replace what we've got, hoping that they're good enough. When often they are, and sometimes they're even an improvement. But that model is not going to last forever. And Newcastle have used a similar model, haven't they? They have. They've sold a lot of top players, bought Europeans, and in one year, what happened? They, it didn't work and they went down. James, what do I always say? What do I always say on Twitter as well? It's like Twitter's not the best place for debate, really, because it's so you know because there's only so many characters you yeah. can use, and sometimes it can be misinterpreted. I think that's why you tend to argue amongst yourselves in regards to that because you can't deliver the point you're trying to make. Exactly. But I, I would like us to be like you touched on, proactive, not reactive, which I think we are far too far too often. But you, you know, reckon we are. 
you actually yeah, reckon I, we are? Seriously. I, I, no, I think we're reactive, yeah. I think we we, we know we that... sell a like, player and then have to buy another player, one as opposed to improving. Usually, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So with the VVD rumours this year, you know, Les has come out and pretty much said that he doesn't want to sell any of his top players. But we know from the past that when he says that, we often do. So, you know, I'm gearing up for VVD to go. I hope he doesn't. I hope he stays till next summer, but I'm feeling he will go. This is why I thought we needed to sign somebody like like Ake or someone like Michael Keane now to get him in, be proactive, knowing that VVD's going to be going a year anyway. But we've signed this Bednarak, Bednarak lad, the Polish, yeah. young Polish lad. Yeah. And he, he, he could, he could be the next foreign or he could be the next... Um, VVD, yeah. you just don't know. Is he wearing a number six shirt or something? This new lad is he being oh, given a sponsor? Check for numbers. Because some people said that you know, oh no, he's just for development. He's not. He's not a replacement of anyone. But others are sort of saying, no, no, no. He's he's he is like a font replacement. <laughs> but I can't see it. No, I don't I, know. I don't think about him to be. I'm never going to judge a player until I see him in person. Because if you go on yeah. go on YouTube, every single player in the world is the best player in the world on YouTube, and you get really excited about a player, and then you see them play, and they're useless. Well, I'll wait and see and judge it when we when he actually plays, or if he does play, he might end up signing and never playing for us, which has happened before. We're never going to sign a um, a Keane or a Maguire like no, like whole, the, the whole player and all that because. I it's don't, not the that's way we've not, well, right. players, it, no. it, it's, it's, it's because they're always going to be about 10 million more than what, because if they're already playing in the Premier League or they're English or whatever. And that's just not all the way we do it. I mean, our record of actually spending a lot of money isn't that great, is it, in terms of what we get? I mean, you know, the, the Osvaldos of this world. Um, I know, I know, I know, I know what you're saying, there, Neil. But this is, I've, this is where I've got a slightly different opinion, I guess, to both yeah. of you. And I, I do agree that our scouting system is phenomenal, and we have unearthed some gems. But also, similarly to the gems, we've had a few duds as well. Yeah. Whereas what I'm saying this year, because of, we're financially sound, the books are all balanced. We could, we should, in my opinion, be going for quality over quantity. So we should only be signing one or two or three maximum players, but a quality first team starter in each position. So I think we should have gone out for a Keane we should have gone out for an Ake or someone like that who has got Premier League experience you know what you're getting they're young and they're going to have a good resale value anyway rather than us going in for this you know this this young Polish lad who could turn out to be fantastic not to say yeah. I'm going to reserve judgment like James said but he could turn out to be Vegard Foreign yeah. you know this yeah. is the problem yeah. I have this season for me yeah. the only yeah. way we could ever keep VVD Bertrand those type of players is signing a top player to play next to them always say we shouldn't sell the top players. But I don't think you can not sell your top players if you're not going out there and making a statement and improving it because they're not going to want to play. And there's no point in keeping the top players unless you're saying to them, stay. You know when Chelsea and Man City got money, that type of stuff, they got those players to join and Everton are doing it at the moment. They're getting these players to join. They didn't keep Lukaku because it was ridiculous money. But the only way you're going to get these players to join and get these players to stay is if you're going to say to these players, look, stay next season and if we don't make top four or top six or whatever, then we'll let you leave. But I don't think we can say that to these players at the moment. Our aim is to finish eighth. How can we finish above eighth at the moment? Well, I think most fans have conceded to the fact already that the way Everton is spending and signing, some fans say it's average players. They're not average players. People like Michael Keane would walk straight next to VVD and our team. Yeah. You know, uh, Klassen, you know, they've just Pickford, Rooney, that everyone, you know, loads of our fans are saying he's a has-been, you know, all this and the other. It, it, they're not. They're signing 
they've already got a strong squad. They finished seventh last year. They're, they're building on that squad. Granted, they've lost Lukaku. They did everything they could. They, they offered him silly work. They offered him, what is it, 160k a week it or something? Go, yeah, that, everyone's saying, oh yeah, let's, yeah they're I mean, selling their best players. We're not, they, we're not offering players 160k a week. No, we can't, no. And I, and I don't expect us to, but we need to be in a different mindset. And I'm not, you know, like, almost like the Cortez mindset. Now, I'm not saying I want Cortez back because he racked up a load of debt but yeah. he convinced players like Schneidlin and Lalana and everyone that we were going places we were going to pretty much convince that we could keep that squad together and then push for top four and things like that and it might have been a massive pipe dream but the players believed but all we've seen over the last few seasons is the best players go and all that says to players is play well and you'll get a big move so you're not we can't build it we can't ever it's like one step forward, two steps back. We can't ever move anywhere because we're constantly having to rebuild a squad. That's th- my th- main issue. Yeah, I think as a club, though, we are moving forward, though. I'm moving up and forward. Yeah, OK, the Peel was... The way we did last season, it wasn't great in the end, was it? We all know that. But we are progressing. I mean, off the pitch as well. And I think this whole two-year, three-year we've got of buying low, selling high selling our best players, top dollar and all that. I think it's something we've got to live with for, a, you, I'm, I'm talking three, four, five years really, until, in, until we get to a point where we can actually offer what we want to offer. Well, you know, Spurs I, did it. You know, Spurs used to, every single decent player they got, they sold. Then they sold Gareth Bell for ridiculous money and they bought yeah. a load of new players in and it didn't work. And Posicino's come in. And then he's transformed that club. And what frustrates the hell out of me is I think we had just as much, if not more, potential from our group of players than what Posicino had probably with Tottenham. If you look at now where our players that he had had gone. And with our scouting network and the players that we've brought in, if Posicino and Cortese were still in charge, we'd be Tottenham right now. That's what frustrates me. Yeah, I'd love to be, you know. Tottenham are paying the, that much more wages than what we are. Yeah, but the thing is, when you look at Spurs and, and, and Everton, and to be honest, Everton as well, I mean, you know, when you compare the clubs, and I know, I know I'm going to bang on about history now, but when they, these teams have got the history of like winning cups, they've got stuff, and with Spurs anyway, they've got a huge fan base. I mean, people talk about Saints all, but like, you know, like, oh, getting, you know, stadium expansions and that. We can't oh, even sell out season tickets. Season ticket waiting list of 25 years yeah. or something, I Spurs. Yeah, yeah I... exactly. I mean, you know, and, and like, we, we can't compare with that. And I think, and when players, they get, no, you know, they, they come, they, the Spurs and Liverpool. Yeah, but and Black, Blackburn yeah. didn't have that, for example. They went on to win the league. If you're getting paid a reasonable amount of money, then for me, as a player, I'm pretty confident that they want to play for a manager that they know they're going to know what they're going to get and they want to win things. And at Tottenham, they're not... Harry Kane isn't demanding to leave. These top players aren't demanding to leave because they're enjoying playing under Potticino and they can see that they might challenge for something. Whereas for us... We don't have that. I think if, if we would have stuck with Potagino, a Saints player is not going to go to someone who's lower in the league, who's only paying them a little bit more, if they're not going to be guaranteed first-team football and guaranteed that they're going to be possibly win more things. I really truly yeah, believe but, but, that we could have gone somewhere and we've completely messed it all up. I disagree. I think we're, we're, get, we're getting there. now. We, we're never really going to get there now. We're never going to yeah, be... But, Champions but the League really, now. Yeah, yeah. But when you when you look at it, you've got Chelsea, you've got Man United, you've got Arsenal, you've got Liverpool, you've got Spurs. Their fan bases and all that. I mean, they're just they're worlds apart from where we are anyway. 
we're never going to have we're never going to have we that had following. this little group of players that had come yeah. through together that knew each other inside out we had a manager that is clearly world class and we had a scouting system and a youth system that were one of the best in the world we had this little pocket of time yeah. in our lives when we could have done something seriously special and what did okay, we do okay. we sold it yeah but we had a, we had a spell in the 80s where we were second in the league weren't we and all that with the keegan's out of this world and it was like well and um... exactly you could <laughs> look man united are only the biggest club in the world because they became really successful when money came into football if money would yeah. have come into football in the 80s when we were second in the league we'd have had a good chance of becoming a better side and everton for example, well, when they will win the league every year, they could be Man United right now. Man United yeah. are only because they got lucky with money at the right time. And now financial fair plays come in. All the big clubs are protected now. Well, do you know, I was gonna, yeah, but I was going to say that. Lots of Chelsea, Man City got, got wealthy at the right time. And, uh, and, they, and obviously those owners just, chuck, just threw money into it. Um, but how are Everton you know, doing they, it now? How are Everton throwing the money now? There's a reason why well, you can yes, get around question, financial How are they doing it? Um, what they've done is their um, owner has got friends, and Man City did the same thing, got the training ground sponsored. So he just got a mate's business to sponsor the training ground, so they got a load of money from that. There are ways around everything. If you want to invest money in the club, you can invest it. I don't think our owners and chairman have got the contacts and the money themselves to be able to to do what Everton are doing and that's why we need new owners if yeah, we well, go to that next level come on this new investment I mean this Chinese guy I mean I don't know if it's right or not but this Chinese consortium um, they had to they are borrowing money to buy us so where are they going how are they going Man invest? United Man United fans yeah. set up their own football club because they didn't want the club being bought by the Glaciers and then now look at the situation. It doesn't yeah. matter where the money comes from. Man United are run really well financially from what I can tell. They're still somehow managing to pay off debt, make but money and is, spend the ridiculous is, you, money. The, the, the size of Southampton Football Club, aren't you kind of proud that we are actually punching it at the bottom of that tier? and trying to punch our way through it. And yes, yeah, I agree with you. We missed an opportunity. I think we missed a massive opportunity last year. Look how poor all the big clubs are performing. If if Koeman hadn't seen us through a poor bit of form, we would have easily been four or five points higher than uh, than, than And made Champions League. And and made Champions League. So you could say, ultimately, uh, Koeman actually... Was it well failed in some respects last season? No, you know, we punched we're, we're way fail. above our weight. Yes, we we could have got more, but with that side, he didn't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that team was a team that Chelsea were on paper better than us. For example, I think he did. I think and Liverpool. I think he did really well. Thing I was disappointed. You, I, I you, thought we missed an opportunity. Are you, you saying missed an opportunity? You, 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 you talking about season, season before last? You, yeah. you were disappointed with Koeman. Yeah. How, how can you be... In, but you would have been happy for Pule to stay on. Watching. No, no, no. no. What, what I'm saying, I'm, I'm disappointed in that the, everyone lords Koeman. Yeah, we had a good season, but I was actually disappointed because we had that bad spell in the, in the winter. Koeman did a good job, don't get me wrong, but I was actually disappointed because four points off and we had such a bad run of games, that which he was manager of, and 
we could have had Champions League last season, more so than letting Poch go. We could have had Champions League last season. And, I also think it was know, extremely impressive that we lost that amount of games and then he came back and got us to where he did. Most of the highest points total net, Ill, yeah. Uh, yeah. that yeah. we've had in um, the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, know, I appreciate that. But for me, it was it, ultimately, it was a bit of failure for me. I'm not saying Pule, you know, was, was com- is, is, you can compare him, but I was just sort of saying, it was like we had such a bad spell, and everyone because at Christmas, Cumin wasn't the flavour of the month, was he? Cumin and Pella, everyone wanted him out of the club, <laughs> so I get him well, out. To be, to be honest, the funny thing is, I still weeks. backed both of them, and, and everyone has said that I'm a bedwetter. But the funny thing is, is I backed Cumin throughout, and I, I thought Pella was playing through an injury, and we just needed to sign someone to give him some help, not keep playing him every game. What Neil touched on, he's, he has got a point, really. I mean. I, I mean, I thought Kuma was fantastic. And yes, and most teams have little spells where they dip out and they dip back in again. But for me, what Kuma achieved was... Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, no, you are right. But at the same time, what he achieved was pretty remarkable, like you say, with the group of players we had. One difference is we had Mane. We had a player yeah. that could, on his day, well, is just unplayable. He's one of the best well, players that I've seen since Letizia in regards to like excitement level. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the thing is with Mane, that he had the it's the pace isn't it when you look at so we we can't well, there's no pace in our side at the moment that's what we're missing if we're going to if we're going to get some players in we need something we need some pace in the side so yeah who do uh, we need yeah. to sign then if we let's, let's have a look at it now if we manage to keep everybody who would you both what positions would you like to improve i haven't even thought about wingers and strikers because i didn't think we would like you say because we signed gabby adini in january yeah. we've been linked with the likes of murphy haven't we from norwich but I can't see it myself. So the two, I only think, you know, if we can keep the whole squad together, we only need one or two quality players. I think we need a, a top quality sort of defensive midfielder to go alongside Romeo. I'm thinking someone like uh, John Michael Siri from Nice or the lad Lorente from Real that was on loan at Alves last year. Something like that in that sort of position. So again, it's, for myself, it's about getting the right player, even if it costs 20 million rather than spending 12. And the only other position we really need to strengthen if we keep everybody is like a is a is a centre attacking midfielder. So obviously the yep. pipe dream would be Sigurdsson. Oh yeah, you know yeah. Some, somebody <laughs> that ain't happening now. <laughs> that is not, of course, no, no way, no, absolutely not. But that's the type of quality of player. And I've put, yeah. you know, the, just out, just off the top of my head, a couple of lads. You know, Suso from Milan, a lad that was at Liverpool a few seasons back. He's doing really well there. So, I'm, again, I'm just trying to think outside of the box in regards to our scouting. And you've got Jonathan Vieira at Las Palmas in Spain, who's had a blind season. So, it's, for me, it's about getting the right, not a lot of players, not a lot of squad fillers, squad starters, players that are going like, to yeah, go straight yeah. to the team and, and improve on the, what we've got already. Yeah, I agree. Um, we, we want starters coming straight in. The thing is, I in terms of what players I'd like to see, I'm not really one of the ways. I'm not knowledgeable of all the players around Europe. I haven't got FIFA and all that kind of stuff, so I don't know the stats and all that. All I know is the type of player I'd like to see in terms of like, you know, like the, whether we're attacking, can they score a goal, can they tackle, whatever like that. So whatever's on our, in, on our scouting system that matches that kind of those attributes, then yeah, let's bring them in. But uh, I don't often like. Oh, I wouldn't mind going to get that player. But of all the players in Marco, we said Sigurdsson is the one. If we, we were going to break, break the bank for anyone, it would be him. He's the player that I wanted. But for me, yeah. even even me that wants us to spend some money and go out and buy a player, I'm not. I don't want our football club to spend fifty million pounds on one single player because it's ridiculous. He could get injured tomorrow, 
And it's just, we, yeah. we can't spend that type of money. And whilst I probably would spend 25 million on him, I think that's the limit. We, we No way we're going to sign yeah, him. But yeah, not gonna yeah, but, yeah, but you say that, and you, you say you want to go to the next level. Now he's that next level player, isn't he? For us, as, as far as, you know, I mean, you think what he could he could do for us. I mean, you, you like war prowess at free kicks and that, but Sigerson's far better. You know, we're yeah, I, I completely agree, but position. at the same time, there there will be a player in Europe that we could sign for, as Mark says, yeah. let's not go out and sign 8, 10, 12 million players. There'll be a player in Europe that's probably as good as Sigerson that we could get for half the price and spend 20 yeah, million on him. Yeah, I mean, I would love us to sign Sigerson. I think the majority of our fan base would, but like, yeah. I think we know we don't, it's not how we do business. We don't go out and sign proven Prem players. There's such a prem- premium at the moment on Premier League players anyway. It's ridiculous. You know, but there is a double-edged sword to this. We, you know, Saints fans want mega money for VBD. We want, we you know, we want 75 million for Virgil van yeah. Dijk. Well, if we're prepared to want that and want to receive that, then you that, have to spend that ridiculous to money to replace them. To get the yeah. In. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to, to be honest, if we sold VBD, you think, well, sod it, let's just give 50 million for Sigurdsson then. <laughs> you, can still get, you can still get something decent in Europe. See, I actually, unless we're going to go out there and really improve the squad, I'd sell VVD and I would personally myself and then I would buy players with it. I don't see, I don't see the point of keeping VVD for another year when you, there is a possibility that he might get injured or he might not be as good. You just don't know. I mean, look at Lovren. James, for me, mate, it's about this this particular one, and I would agree with you. And I'd like to spend, and I'd like to get that money so we could spend it. But the reason I don't want to sell VVD, especially to Liverpool, is because it's Liverpool, and because oh, yeah. we need to make a statement at some point. We need to say yeah. no, we're not selling. Could you imagine going through this summer, not selling anyone, keeping Bertrand, keeping Cedric, keeping VVD, keeping Romeo, you... players like that? It'd be, then it'd I be think fantastic. it puts an extra value on every player as well. If we ever did go and sell them, because we're saying no, we're uh, not selling them, and then they've absolutely. got to spend stupid and, money. And, yeah. Absolutely, and also with VVD and Liverpool, we've got to say no. It's becoming beyond the joke the amount of players we sell to Liverpool. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. it's, it would be, it's, for me, it should be a matter of principle to the Saints board now. The way that they've <laughs> yeah, gone behind, the way they've gone behind their, everyone's backs, and they've done it all. You know, and I know VVD. I don't. I, I don't see how we can complain about that because if most football transfers are done. Speaking yeah, to players, yeah, yeah. I think you might as well just forget that rule altogether. I mean, yeah, but thing, I remember once when I went to Talk Sport, Andy Townsend told me that Alex Ferguson called him up and he called him up and said, Andy, how do you fancy coming to Man United? He's brilliant. Tomorrow he went into, I don't know where he was at the time, I think he was at Villa. He went into Villa thinking he was getting a move to, to Man United and no one mentioned a thing. And he's like, <laughs> uh, what's happening? So no, I know, it's been going I know on for on, years. Mate. I don't I think we can complain on. too much about that. Yeah, but the, thing, the, thing is, though, the thing is, though, guys, is that this the whole bit Liverpool Van Dyke stuff, it's every ex-player or, or some sort of fan of Liverpool Sky Sports News. They keep ramping. What about Van Dyke? What about Van Dyke? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what. That's what. That, yeah, we understand what goes on, but it's every day, isn't it? It's. Just I do ridiculous. agree with you, Mark. It would be a real good standing point to just say, look, no, and if we and if we don't sell him, fine. Or even if we got seventy million for him, I think that's 
ridiculous money for a centre-back. And so I think if you get 70 million for him, I think that's saying the same thing as no, because 70 million, no defender in the world is worth 70 million. <laughs> no player yeah. in the world's worth that. You know, the, it's, you well, know it obviously, it's how you know, could, it's comparing things, though, isn't it? It's no player yeah, is I know worth you're saying, one million, yeah. if but, you know what I mean. Do you reckon Pellegrino has come in with, this, with the saying... I, I need to keep these players this season. Do you reckon he's, that's, I, that's having sway? Or at least he can say yes that, or yeah. no. That's what it should be. I think with all the, with all the football money it's around, I mean, I, I'm sure we can keep all of these players to one season at least. Absolutely, and I think we should this year, Neil. I think this is the yeah, year yeah, I agree. where we've 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 got we don't we haven't got any debt. We don't have to clear any debt. We've got right. TV money, all the other revenue. We can you know we can keep this squad together, and then like we've already discussed between us, just sign one or two players to add to the squad yeah. that we've got, and but then we, we have to. It, that's the much- thing; those players have to be good. We we never actually replaced Fonte. Whether this new centre back is supposed to replace Fonte. Whether he's the replacement for that, fair enough. For years we've been saying Yoshi's not good enough. I think last year he stepped up that he's a good enough third or fourth choice centre-back. And I think Stevens did as well. But if this new centre-back is not first choice, for me, I'm not happy with... If we're going to make, try and push top six, I don't think Stevens is, 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 is ready yet. Yoshi is a good squad player, but you're not going to start him. So I just question if we have a good enough centre-back partnership. Cedric got better last year, so the right-back I'm OK with. Um, and Pied looks quite a good replacement for him. Left-backs we're sorted, as long as we keep Bertrand. This argument that we should sell Bertrand because we've got two class left-backs. We've got two left-backs with potential. They're not on Bertrand's level. Romeo obviously, is class. We'll probably get one more year out of him. Where we play the midfielders, for me, James Ward-Prowse, I don't know how, how he gets into the side in position-wise. We played him on the right, and he did a right last year, but I'd prefer someone like Mane out wide. I'd actually probably try and give James Ward-Prowse a defensive midfield role, play him next to Romeo, then play an attacking midfielder in front. Now, if you're going to go Buffal, Buffal um, if yeah. you if you play him as the number 10, and you'll say he's going to be my number 10, and you give him a run of 10 games, I'm fine with that if we don't go out and sign the attacking midfielder. But then we've yeah. got to buy a proper winger like Mane. We signed Redmond, in my opinion. He should have been signed as an as a squad player, as an add-on to Mane, not as his replacement. So I still feel as though we need to sign a top quality, either winger or central attacking midfielder. So as you say, I don't think... And, and, and forwards, if Austin's fit, he can get you 20 goals. Gabby Dini could get you 15 to 20 goals. And Long's a good squad player. I don't yeah. think we need to go out and do an Everton and sign a ridiculous amount of players. Well, no, but the players well, we no, need to sign yeah. are top quality like guaranteed well, quality. Well, this is what this is what you you and me, James, are, are, are bedwetters, and Neil is a is a happy clapper, as as we say to each other. <laughs> we all actually, and we all actually agree on this, right? No, we I don't. Think, I, 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 I think what we do, I think the, the the thing with the disagreement thing is that it's spending money, 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 and it's like, well, no, that's not how we do it, and it's like, but actually, like you said, it's now a case of no, we just there's only one or two players we need to add, but we've got to keep these players. I mean. I mean, I don't understand people wanting you know, Van Dyke to go, 
To be honest, if he's been a bit of a dick, then get rid of him. I think the more he, he looks he happy. Look at the photos. He, he looks he, all right. Yeah, absolutely. This is what I'm saying. You know, it's all just yeah. at the moment. It's all just paper talk. And this is another thing that we have to deal with: the media and the pundits always trying to sell our players, always yeah. talking us down. Neil touched on like the big club thing, right? You're right. It's like they've got the big club, the history. It's like they've got this yeah. div- 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 definitive right to come and sign our players purely because of that, which I think is a load of rubbish. But we are having to contend with the media talking up our players and, and, and talking like they're too good for Swampton every year. It's a, it's a real pain. Um, but touching on what we've said in regards to, to players, the general consensus I'm seeing on Twitter is like what us three are saying here now. We don't need to spend massive. We just need to spend right on a few players and keep the squad, and that's it. What well, would be a successful season next season then, guys, between you two? Um, I think realistically it's, it's going to be challenging for... for you know, between sort of seventh and twelfth again, really. But I th- I, Everton are really strengthening, and then you look at the likes that are above them. I think that there is a Everton are now setting a little bit of going to put a little bit of a distance between themselves and us. So our our goal should be to try and challenge them for that seventh spot and try and get European football. What about you, Neil? Good question. I was thinking about this earlier. It, I want us to win stuff. You know, fighting for seventh to me just like it's not. I don't think it's a winning mentality. If you know what I mean? I you know. With that experience of going to Wembley again last season, it was like, wow, you know, we need to win a trophy, concentrate on the cups as well. I'm not, I think, I think we're going to punch above our weight again. I've, I've got good feelings about this new manager. I like the way he talks. He so, where are we going to finish now? Come on, prediction from you at the moment. I reckon we'll do seventh. Above who? Out of the seven who were above us last year? Above Everton. Wow. <laughs> Wow, wow, and wow. I'll tell you what, if you know me, I'm the ultimate pessimist whenever it comes to watching Saints play. When, I'm, when, Saints, when, I'm at, when it's not actually a game, I think I, I'm really behind the club, what they do. And, you know, OK, things might go wrong. Yeah, the Peel thing might have, might have been a bit of sort of a, a bump in the road. But no, I think, but I think we need to keep our players. And, I tell you and what, I'll tell the, you now, right look, now, if if Everton finish, if we finish above Everton next year, I'll take you out for dinner, Neil. How about that? <laughs> when I'm back over to the UK, oh, I will oh, take oh, you oh, out oh. for dinner. And you got this recorded now because yeah, I cannot oh. see how we will finish above Everton. But there you go. For me, next season, because of everything that's happened, last season... If you on paper before the season started, if you just said eighth in a cup final, we'd all said yes. But apart from the Liverpool semis, there wasn't really, and obviously the cup final, but there wasn't really a de- obviously didn't win the cup final. There wasn't a decent win in there all year. Before under Kuman, we had some and Potocino, we had some really exciting wins. Kuman's beaten yeah. every single club in the Premier League, and last yeah. year we did not have one decent league result. So for me, if we finish eighth. Hopefully have a cup run, but even if we don't, if we finish eighth, but we see optimism, we beat a couple of the big clubs, we have a decent atmosphere at home again, because that just went last year. And if we see some optimism, and even if we know VVD's going in the summer, but maybe one of our two of our youngsters are coming through and looking good, and then next season we push on. I think this season's all about probably rebuilding a little bit. I don't see how we're going to compete unless we go out and sign two or three I don't think a lot to, players. I don't, I don't think there's a lot to rebuild if we do keep our players because I reckon this new guy might be able but to get Next season, the, the problem we've got is next season, we, if we have a good season next season, I don't see how after finishing eighth or even seventh, how you can say to VVD, stay. How you can say to Bertrand, stay. How you can say to Romeo, stay. You can't say 
we, we're going to keep these players if we finish 8th or 7th for next year. And so next year yeah. will probably be, if we keep the players this year, next year will be a bigger summer for us. Because yeah, we're going to be doing what we've done again, selling everyone and rebuying again. Whereas this, this year might be the one year where it's a bit dull. We don't sell anyone or buy anyone. Next year, we're going to have that problem. So it's either this year or next year we're going to have the same problem. Yeah, but either way we're going to have that problem because we've got to bear in mind... The, the, we're not losing these. We're not losing our players to like mid-table sides. You know, the good players are going to top sides, big sides. And the thing is, you know, from a you know, there's lots of factors as well. I mean, if you know, if an agent comes to Van Dyke and you know, by the way, you're going to get you know twice or three times the salary getting the Saints, he's going to go to his family, look into his missus, saying, "Look, <laughs> this is on the table." There's lots more things. You know, it's it's okay keeping these players here. To yeah, a point, you can't unless but, you're Tottenham I mean, and you're second in the league, challenging for a title. Yeah. We, we, yeah. we, I don't see how we can keep them at the moment unless we think- keep them and say to them, look, we're going to sign three top players, stay with us for one year, and we're going to try and make top four. That's the only actually, way I, got- I think you keep them happy. I've got a question for you, actually. What do you think about our academy at the moment? I mean, I've I got an opinion. It's just I'd be interested to see what you think at the moment. You know, our academy's been phenomenal through the years. But, but when you look at the likes of, like, I suppose, Luke Shaw... Chambers, Lalana, players yeah. like that coming through. I, I would say they're not of the same quality, in my yeah. opinion. Now, now yeah, my, my my view, kind of, I kind of got a view on that. In that, I reckon you know where we've actually come up the league pretty quickly. Are I mean, don't forget some these lads come on when they're eight years old, aren't they? So some of the ones that are coming through now were there when we was in League One. See, now we're up in the, now we're up in the Premier League. We're probably going to be encouraging. You know, we're actually we're actually quality. buying other people's academy yeah, players so as well at the moment yeah so it, might, so it could be that actually it might be another three four years before we actually start getting the the shores the lalanas the chains and that coming through again at that at that level you've got to remember so, that man united have had an amazing academy and they had that one year where yeah. they brought them all through and we've had yeah. similar where we've had patches we're going to have patches where they we're going to yeah. get batches where you get a couple of squad players, but they're mainly going to be Championship in League One. And then hopefully we have that batch that comes through again that's amazing. Yeah. And I just think maybe we, if if our policy is about the academy, which it is, I think we need to be in a good position that when we get that batch through of amazing players, that we've got the position to be able to really push that on. Whereas, unfortunately, before, we didn't, we weren't in a position to do that. Well, we can't. No, I mean, I yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right there, guys. I think it'd be nice to keep some of these academy talents, isn't it? the ones that actually sort of come through and, and turn yeah. into these sort of real real star young players. Yeah. Uh, that, I think that's a really important thing, actually. If we're going to develop this academy, and everybody, you know, most Saints fans are proud of it and they want to see some, some, some of these young lads come through and get game time. But the key thing is about keeping these young lads, you know, f- forget yeah. the likes of the VVDs that have come in and they've come in from yeah. Celtic and whatnot. If we're going to develop these quality lads, let's keep them in the side and let's, and let's sort of like, you know, give them the pathway, get them in the team and not, not sell them straight away, actually build a team around the, these youngsters, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, I think the problem is though is that we we lord our, our, our academy, and then when we bring some lads through, I, I always really enjoy a young lad coming in to play in the first team. I think it's great, and I'll give him a, you know a bit of slack. But some some fans just get straight on the back saying, "Oh, he's bloody rubbish. Get him off. You know, he shouldn't be anywhere near the club." You know, it's like I mean, Target for example gets a lot of flack, and I think he, he's he he will develop well, but. 
I just think I think all the players get flack though. Honestly, yeah. some fans just yeah. give every single player in the world flack. You know, yeah, I bet Paul managers just yeah, back back in the day <laughs> yeah, got some flack by some of the idiots I hear. But oh yeah, oh absolutely yeah. Well yeah, lazy and all that was would have been the one you heard. Exactly. It's. I mean, that's um, just the nature of football fans. I remember being at QPR away, and when we won one nil in the last minute, Mane, and they had this guy to yeah. the left of me, and he just kept calling uh, James Ward Prowse a skate C U N T over and over again. And the guy to the right of me just went, "Honestly, mate, just shut it." And I remember once there was a guy, season ticket holder behind us. He was just on Pella's back the whole game, every game, and and then when yeah. Pella scored the winner in a game the guy to the left of me turned around and started giving it all to him and in the end they nearly had this mass they literally probably <laughs> nearly had a massive fight over Pella and it was quite yeah. funny because the week after the guy behind he didn't wasn't there he was afraid to turn up and the guy oh, next really? to me got Pella on the back of his shirt just to wind him up as well oh, but yeah, you, you do get fun. some idiots at football clubs they really do I mean yeah. don't get me wrong we're going to have superstars and we're going to have the ghoulies of this world but whilst they're playing on the football pitch I always give them my full support yes I might come on Twitter I just want to say I don't really moan about the players too much I, personally I feel as though it's the manager's responsibility who he picks and I'm more upset with the manager for picking that idiot than I am the idiot playing I'm quite I'm happy with where the club the direction the club's going we're not always going to get it right every season but I think we are I think was it I think it was on Twitter, I think Chris ran. I think he said it's it's evolution, not revolution. And I think that's quite a good thing. I think I, I think personally doing... feel as though we we were doing that and under these owners that's gone stale and all they're trying to yeah. do is sell the club at the moment. The reason why we're yeah. not going out and spending money and probably why we're not selling Van Dyke is because they know how much Van Dyke's worth and they're trying to sell the club. And I think they're waiting until the deal goes through and then the new owners will then decide what happens. And the problem is we're in this stalemate at the moment. And I don't think anything's really big is going to happen until new owners come in. Just like if I went and sold my business to someone, I'm not going to go and invest loads of money or make a dramatic change on my business until that business is sold and then they decide yeah. what they want to do with it. That's that's essentially what's happening at the moment. They're trying to sell the so business. Do you not, yeah, but so do you not think the club's been managed well then? Do you not think the Libras have done a good job? I think they've done a good job from a business point of view and from a football point of view. They've done a they've done a, done, done a good job managing it. I don't think ever since Cortese left, we've gone above and beyond to try and massively improve this football club. I think we've just ran it well. We have it. They haven't tried to pull up trees to get us in top four. I think it's Katharina. Her dad's a legend. He saved the club, but I think that they've taken it as far as they can. I think we need a change. I think most fans would agree that we need a change. But the tr- the worrying thing is, is this land a group? You know, there seems to be a sense of nervousness around them taking over because of money issues, because yeah. they're having to borrow money and things like that. Whereas we need somebody that uh, new owners that are hungry, that want to press, that that want to push us forward and want to spend some money and actually, yeah. you know, try and achieve something. So there's a sense of nervousness about new owners but i think we're at a place now where we need new owners because like james touched on there's this summer this summer there's been hardly any movement we've got the young lad in the young young polish center half we're not really being linked with any there's no real strong links at the moment there's only links with the likes of vvd and virtual going away so it's going to be a quiet summer and i think i think james is spot on i think 
they've lost interest. They want to sell, and they, and they can't. They don't want to rock the boat too much by selling VVD because he's a huge asset to the club. Yeah, well, sometimes when things go quiet, they normally means something's happening. So yeah, that's know, true. They, they do, keep, they do keep their transfers hidden. That is a good thing about our football club. Maybe, they don't maybe, don't announce they're maybe, interested in a player on Twitter. Maybe Sigurdsson tomorrow. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so right then guys right we've uh, we've had a really good chat this week thanks for both coming on but obviously one of the funniest things about me and mark is our uh, happy clapper and bedwetting so i yeah. thought it'd be quite funny to every week do the happy clapper of the week and every week do the bedwetter of the week so i've been scrolling twitter all week and for me the happy clapper of the week has to go to luke osman because his tweet of not concerned at our lack of business we don't need to spend much as others because our squad doesn't need much work for me that's basically saying we don't need to sign anyone because we've got this amazing squad and I've read ever tweets that basically he thinks we're going to, our team is good enough. If our team was good enough, then why did we only finish eighth last year? What was it? 19 points below our target last year. So for me, he gets the happy clapper of the week and the bed. Do we give him a round of applause? (laughs) Yes, let's give him a round of applause. Way. So bed wetter of the week actually was a tough one this week because not much happened. (laughs) Normally we wet the bed every week because we're playing every week and we're awful or whatever or we sell a player so it was a tough one this week but just because he is the ultimate bedwetter for most people me and him I'm going to give it to you Mark just purely because (laughs) because of the the tweet you put about us our net spend basically being the the bottom of the league and then all the responses that caused it and stuff like that. <laughs> Even though I don't think there was much wetting of the bed at all, I couldn't really find anyone else who wet the bed more than you this week. So, Mark, congratulations for being our first bed wetter of the week. Oh, lovely. Thanks very much. Oh, I've, got, I've, got one thing, I've, got, I've got one thing left to say, because, James, you forgot it. Mark, are you going to unblock me on Twitter now? You're unblocked, <laughs> mate. You are unblocked. Don't worry about that. Oh, right, okay. There you go. That is really funny. When Neil told me that, I was like, you've got to bring that up. I absolutely love it when fans block each other on Twitter. It is great. You know what? I, I can't even remember why, because I, I, I'm one of these that I tend, I try not to, unless okay. unless it gets a little bit sweary. So I don't know, I don't know what it, I don't I know what it was. Now. Can, can you remember what it was? I, don't know. I, never, I never swear. It's just I can't bother with it. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just like... Maybe you just blocked yeah. every happy clapper on Twitter. Yeah. Well, I don't know, I've got no idea. Maybe, maybe it's all getting heated and everyone was sort of saying, oh, everyone's an idiot. I don't know. But I never block anyone. I mean, if I was going to block anyone, I would have, break, I would have blocked James, to be honest. Yeah, I'm but, sure I've been. I bet there's. I wonder if there's going to be. I bet I'm the most blocked Saints fan on Twitter. I, I wonder if there's an yeah, award I, for that. I think I'm catching up with you, mate. There's a guy called Glenn um, who refused to come on, didn't he? And he. Um, he made a, a. I think it's called a meltometer. A meltometer. <laughs> yeah. And. and there was a few. Obviously, your face was on there, my face was on there, and a couple of other, uh, a couple of other, other massive bedwetters. But no, just goes to show Neil that you know we can disagree on Twitter, and we can you know, and it can be misinterpreted, and things can be yeah. said, and they can be misread. And you know, we've had a, I think we've had a really constructive conversation, and we've all tried yeah. to put our points across. And at the end yeah. of the day, you know, we're all Saints fans. We all, we all love the club. Yeah. You know, we've got different opinions, but you know, we're always going to be red and white. Simple as that. Absolutely. Exactly, and hopefully that's hopefully people listening to this won't hate me and Mark as much as they did before. Yes, they did. And <laughs> well, 
and hopefully well, the bedwetters it's... like me and Mark can see Neil's point of view as well and just see that the, that actually the these it's a bit like politics these left and right wing things sometimes on paper look really strong but when we actually we chat our, our opinions aren't that far apart really and we all want the same thing absolutely James. James, I challenge you to one thing. Your Skype photo, put that as your Twitter profile. <laughs> no, I'll get taken <laughs> off. I don't know if that's allowed. Well, well, there's not a lot of C, is there? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, guys, the plan is is uh, we're going to do a podcast every week. Uh, I've got to think of a name of it, so that's one of the first things to do. We're going to have our own Twitter account, so next week we'll have announcements on that. We're going to have a website as well, and we'll also we'll get a fantasy football league going for the podcast as well. So keep listening to the show, and what we plan to do is hopefully have me and Mark on it every week, and a different happy clapper on every week to give it some balance. So, Neil, are you up for coming back on the show? show in a few weeks time yeah i'm happy yeah we'll see we sold uh, see if we've actually sold or bought anyone at that point that'd be, uh, oh, be yeah, good and, uh, and, uh, recap. and probably uh, a recap uh, am i correct in saying the big saints news we haven't talked about yet that Stuart taylor uh, signed Mark. a one-year contract extension <laughs> yeah that was cool i, I don't i think do you know what we won't even talk about that we'll, we'll, we'll let that we'll let the fans just you know really get excited about that and maybe we'll talk about the big signing next week Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, all right have a good one, guys. 